wiggles, not the kind that wiggle tea that you drink, not scribble all together in a cottage she calls day. Toes and tea with Nanny Bee. Oh, good day to you and welcome to my cottage. Your timing is impeccable, as my neighbor Jules will be bringing us a story any minute now. And here she is. Hello. Is this who I think it is? Hello, Nanny Bee. If you think it's your neighbor Jules with a story, then it is. Precisely. Oh, come, dear. Do come in. We are so looking forward to your visit. Well, I couldn't wait to get here. Today, we have a story from the land of figs and roses, where the grasshoppers, crickets, and frogs... Oh, I... I, I shouldn't say any more. I don't want to spoil it. Just listen and you'll find out. Are you ready for a story? Oh, yes, please. Okay, then. Mina and the Moonlighters, adapted for radio. In the land of figs and roses, music seeped from the fast and shiny home, serenading neighbors of all makes and sizes. There were, of course, the Shabanis, Madonis, and Sultanis, families who refused refuge from the wicked air conditioning, which they believed would steal their good health, turning instead to their balconies, where they melted on their hot summer's eaves. As rivers of salted water splashed across their brows, they were soothed into submission, listening to Mina and her family play and sing. Even the smallest of creatures, grasshoppers, crickets, and frogs, made their way closer to hear Mina's family. Everyone in her household added a layer to the music. Mother would melt her golden voice over anything the family was playing and sing its melody to the night. Even her name, Ava, means voice, as if her parents willed her to sing, even though they were but the bows from which their child, a living arrow, was sent forth. Mina's father could play any instrument in his hands, but his hands were most often drawn to the violin. He could not resist. Beyond mother, Mina, and her sister, Sara, father's violin was his most treasured girl. She was also his most obedient, sitting quietly in her case, poised, waiting eagerly for the moment he picked her up. To father, this violin was his liver, and that, it is said, is a good thing. A violin was not a traditional instrument in this land, but all the same, his family for generations passed it down, traditionally. Sister Sara played the piano, and the piano alone. As the oldest of three children, it was her selection to be made first, and she chose the piano. Father was forever seeking an empty seat to fill, but Sara did not oblige him. It was, in fact, his desire to sit at that seat, which prompted Father to purchase the piano, a grand one at that. It was of great value, but of little cost, as few had the room for an instrument of such size. They did not have room for an instrument of such size, but tolerated its dominance, never complaining as they navigated their way around it. The largest feature of their apartment became a landing place for family pictures— so many, in fact, that Sara resisted lifting the lid, fearing her mother's insistence that she dust each artifact in the process. This fear became a vow that Sara would live in the most minimal of homes when she was in her own, 
a home without trinkets or objects or any such item that hosted dust purely in exchange for its beauty to behold. Although Sarah was the oldest, many years the senior of Mina, they were an apple cut in half, two peas in a pod, cut from the same cloth. The twinning of their hearts made their separation that much harder when Sarah left the family home. But what a waste it would have been to keep such intellect, such passion in the cupboard rather than on the mantelpiece. The seat at the piano would now have been open, were it not for Sam. The brother of Mina held not an interest in the instrument, simply an interest in the agitation of their father. By nature a drummer, but no longer, he would return to that pursuit another day. And even though Sam was clearly sitting in the seat that once was Sarah's, father would often say, Sarah's place is empty, as he missed her until his heart tightened. His love for her, although great, did not know its own depth until the hour they were separated. But the music played on, so the neighbors of all makes and sizes continued to listen. In Brother Sam, talent rained from every one of his fingers. There was so much Sam could do that he did not know what to do, until his national service. At eighteen, every boy now man in the land was called upon to join the military. That is where Sam found his future in the sky, flying over their apartment, flying over foreign lands, drumming on whatever he could find, drumming his crew to despair. With Sam gone, the seat at the piano was now free, and at last father found his place. And the music played on, so the neighbors of all makes and sizes continued to listen. Mina knew exactly what to do with her future, the same as she did with her present— make music with every breath. It was the flute she cherished. It was but a second-hand purchase in a faded gray case. But when Mina played it, it was as though the breath of God passed through it. And although the red velvet lining was crushed smooth and shying away in places, the flute was perfection. When Mina played it, she was as proud as a peacock, boastful as if she'd fallen from the elephant's nose. Late in the day, Mina gazed upon her flute to find a mark not befitting its beauty. A quick cat-washing would remedy the problem, nothing more than the smallest of rubs. But that rub alone was more than the flute could bear. No longer perfect, it had to be repaired. But with father on the piano and mother singing along, the music played on, so the neighbors of all makes and sizes continued to listen. Mina missed her flute more each minute, and would ask of her father again and again when would it return. Father did not have the stomach to tell her that all he had was one raisin and forty dervishes, little money and many mouths to feed. It was not for Mina to know if this was the reason father found work that took him far away. He so wished he could be with the family and his more profitable work, but you cannot hold two watermelons in one hand. With father gone and Sam gone and Sarah gone and Mina's flute gone, the music was gone. There was nothing for mother to drape her golden voice over, nothing for the neighbors of all makes and sizes. The nights became a quiet place. The Shabanis, Madonis, and Sultanis still perched on their balconies, now in silence, hiding from the air conditioning. 
Mother tried to fill the seats where the family used to sit with conversation, but Mina grew more gray as the days moved on. If only Mother could give her love as well as her thoughts, but Mina had thoughts of her own. Mother reminded her of what a salty person Mina once was, overflowing with laughter and charm. The grasshoppers, crickets, and frogs gathered close to the window, thinking perhaps the music was there, but very quiet. And when they listened closely, they could hear something. The stream of tears from a little girl who wanted nothing more than to make music. It is then that the world turned upon its head. And if you listen closely, you can hear what the grasshoppers, crickets, and frogs had to say. They, too, speak as poets in this land of figs and roses. The tears of Mina, a child who with her music turned the voice of the wind into a song made sweeter by her own loving, brought them to the window nearest. The crickets were the first to speak. Let me circle round you, they cried out to Mina, but she could not understand. Through the window they could see as she turned her back to them. The grasshoppers added, A flower has no back, as even Mina turning their back to them could not offend. Only the frogs were wise. You cry out to her, but she does not hear. Your nightingale talking, your flattery is nothing to her but noise. The grasshoppers understood. The crickets did not, but remained quiet in hopes time would reveal the meaning. The frogs continued. You know that joy is just sorrow unmasked. From the self-same well from which her laughter rose, these tears now fall. She is weeping for that which has been her delight. It is the music we must restore. The crickets and grasshoppers began chirping in confusion. How were they to make music when they had no instruments to play? And what of music did the frogs know anyway? To this, the frogs took offense, and the rest of the night was more silent than before, as the creatures said no more. The next night, it was the crickets once again who were the first to speak. We do not wish to be a reed, dumb and silent, when all else sings together in unison. The grasshoppers and frogs remained silent, not that they held the grudge of a camel, simply that they were unaccustomed to hearing the crickets speaking such wisdom. Finally, the frogs and grasshoppers replied together, as if they had telepathy between their hearts. We, we must dig deep within, within our souls, souls and, make and make music for, for her this night. night. Before this night, these grasshoppers, crickets, and frogs had never made music before. Oh, they would chirp and grib it to Mina's music, but nothing more. So at once, they found from deep within the fullness of their work, a part of Earth's furthest dream, a sign to them when the dream was born. Before this night, they were onlookers, walking half asleep, not realizing all that they were created to be. But now, the cricket found his melody on the end of his wings. The grasshopper found his song on his legs. And the frog found his voice, his Ava, from within his throat. Together, they found their music, the language of their spirit. The song was so loud that all in the land of figs and roses stopped to listen. The Shabanis, Madonis, and Sultanis, even Mina and her mother, the Fast and Shinies, heard the music in the moonlight, and the gift of music was restored. The End Oh, 
Thank you, Jules. Why, just last night it was a particularly balmy one, and I heard my local cricket band. Oh, they, they kindly invited me to join in, and I, I must tell you it's been some time since I've picked up my didgeridoo, but it all came back to me, like riding a bull. Don't, don't you mean riding a bike? A bicycle? Good heavens, no. I, I forget how to ride mine all the time, but a bull, once ridden, never forgotten. Yes, I would find that hard to forget. Oh, and before I do, will you be joining us again soon? Of course I will. I'll be back again next week for more Tales and Tea. Go to nannybee.com. Go there to find out about all our episodes, including the transcript, so you can read along with us. To get a reminder of the next episode's arrival, follow us on iTunes or Spotify and get in touch if you'd like to be on the show. Go on and leave a message for Nanny B and you might be on the show. This has been a Toby Hall production for nannybee.com.